Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. I see you. Yes, I know you've been procrastinating again. How do I know this? Because I'm your life coach. I know everything about you. And you've been procrastinating because you told yourself when you first heard me talking about the ebook I have on boundaries. I know you said to yourself, shit, I should really fucking get that. God, I really need that in my life. God, that would be really helpful. Man, I don't have time or I don't to get a life coach. I don't have the money. Rochelle's got a wait list. Okay, I'm going to do it. And then you got distracted and you had this and you had that and you didn't think you deserved it and all these things got in the way. Stop. Pause this podcast right here. You know I'll be here when you get back. Baby, you know I would never leave you. I'll be here waiting. You stop this and go and download it now. You can get it in the notes on this podcast. You can get it on my social media, in the links in my bio. I'm here for you. Pause this. We'll be waiting when you come back. Hello, hello, and welcome to the shit they should have tossed in school but didn't. I am your fearless leader, Rochelle Indra. I don't know how fearless I am or how much of a leader I am, but here we are anyways. I am coming to you this week from Maastricht, the Netherlands, and I'm just sitting on the bed here in the hotel room before I'm going to go out and enjoy the day. And, you know, after season one, I went to Europe last year, as you know, if you follow me, and I decided not to record podcasts there. And I didn't think I was going to record podcasts here either. But Shauna was like, ah, I'm going to get you a mic, a portable mic. Let's just think about it. Let's, you know, you don't know. And the reason I didn't last year is because I, <laughs> it may not feel like this sometimes when you listen to my podcast, but I sit and I think about what's the subject I want to talk about. What is the point? What do you guys need from it? Why is it helpful? What could it possibly mean in your life and the life of the people around you? Like I put work into it, right? As I said, sometimes you might listen to a podcast and be like, what? This is pointless. But that's what I'm trying to do. I don't write out a script or anything, but I do have points I want to get to. And I'm always thinking about how grateful I am for your time to listen. Fuck, your minute you spend watching one of my TikToks or Instagram posts, it means the world to me, let alone listening to my podcast. I love when you guys DM me or come up to me at the grocery store and be like, I listen to your podcast. I love it. I'm so incredibly grateful. I know there's so many podcasts out there. So I really think about your time. And the reason last year that I didn't record a podcast while I was away is because I'm going through it when I go to Europe. You know, I've said I take time off for my one-on-one clients. I do my work. I do my shadow work, my therapy work, my coaching work on myself. I look at the demons under my own bed. So I'm going through my shit. 
And as Brene Brown always says, you know, when you're going to teach, you need to teach from a place of being far enough away from what you've been through that you're not trauma dumping. Right, that you're not on stage doing your own therapy session in front of everybody. Nobody wants that. That's awkward and uncomfortable. So that's really the advice that I took last year of uh, I'm going through the shit. I, you don't want a podcast of the shit I'm going through. You want the tight, clean version of what I learn after when I come back. And so often I hear from you guys Probably the number one thing I hear is, uh, stop swearing so much. No, um, that's probably the number one thing, but that's not going to change. Maybe the number two thing I hear is, I love seeing what you're going through. I love seeing it through yours. I love seeing your challenges, your things while you're going through them. And that does make sense. You know, here I think, oh, you you want the information. You want me to teach you something. I think that's true. But I think you're right in that sometimes it is nice to be voyeuristic on somebody else's life. I know that, you know, as you guys know, I have some weird kink with dating therapists. But I remember the first time I went out with a therapist. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so weird. What is a therapist like on a date? Right? I've been going to therapy on and off, you know, my whole life. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't imagine them dating. It's sort of like I grew up my father was a high school teacher and people come up to us and be like oh my god like you could just see they're like oh weird my favorite teacher has kids like I remember being like eight nine years old and like teenagers always because we lived in a small town walking by and just being like oh it's so weird my teacher's a family he eats dinner oh god like yeah you're welcome for that little side thing a little diatribe there for you but I get that there's like this voyeuristic quality. And then, you know, as I said, I would date a therapist and it was just so weird in the first couple of dates being like, this is so weird, a therapist dating. And now I just realize they're just as screwed up as the rest of us. But it is nice to look into somebody else's life. And I'm glad I can be there for you, for you to see, A, I'm just a regular person with my regular struggles. But also I think there is something to we can learn by watching somebody else go through it. And so I said, all right, fuck it. So I did the Enneagram podcast last week because that's an easy one for me to do. It may have come off a little chaotic, but in general, it's an easy one for me to do because I know about it. But this time I was like, you know, I do want to talk about things when I travel that I go through that maybe I don't have an answer for. Maybe I don't have the solution yet, but that doesn't mean we can't learn something, right? So this podcast today, I haven't even really, I mean, I I thought of the genesis of what it is that I wanted to talk about, but I hadn't even fleshed it out. So you're welcome for that. Um, And one of the things, I don't know how much I've really talked about this on the podcast, but one of the things I go to Europe for is to work on my issues around control. That somebody said once that if you um, don't, if you control everything, you don't leave room for the universe. You don't leave room for magic. And I am somebody who is on a lifelong quest to always find the magic in life, the serendipitous moments in life, the moments where I feel like, oh, I caught you, universe. I caught you winking at me. Like, I see that. Love that. That is what gives me life. 
but I realized that I have issues with control. And in some ways, I did let go of a lot of control. You have to let go of a lot of control when you travel, right? Especially if you travel alone. Things are changing all the time. You're meeting new people all the time. You're missing trains all the time. You're lost. You're confused. You're alone. Like, there's a lot of control that has to be let go of. And I I pat myself on the back for how well I did. I also clenched up in a lot of ways. I also grasped for a lot of control in predictability. I predicted, and we all have this, right? Raise your hand. We all have this on trips, on vacations, no matter where we're going when we leave the house, right? We all have this prediction of how it is going to be especially on a trip, what we want to get out of it, what we want to see, what we want to do. And I really clung on to that and I, I, I gripped really tightly in a lot of ways and I put a lot of stress and anxiety um, on myself that wasn't necessary and I destroyed my nervous system as a result. And, you know, as I think I've talked about on here, I spent um, six months after coming home, I spent like a month or two just on my couch, right? I think I talked about that at the beginning of the season, just recuperating. Uh, believe me, I like we already booked, like I'm going to therapy as soon as I come home just to make sure I take better care of myself this time. Um, in the sisterhood group coaching, we have a guest presenter in September, which is going to be fucking awesome. She's amazing. But we did that specifically in case I came home and was just wrecked again. I didn't want that to affect the the group coaching that they don't deserve that to get me at my worst. So I already built that into place. So I did a better job this time predictably taking care of myself in the back end. I don't think I'm going to need it in the same way that I did because I do think I'm I'm doing this better job of letting go of control. And control may not be an issue for everyone. Like when I was thinking about, am I going to make this a podcast episode? I was like, well, not everybody struggles with control, but I think most of us do. And we definitely all struggle with prediction, needing to predict something, how it's going to go, and then being mad, upset, disappointed that it didn't go that way, or maybe joyous that it went better than we thought it would, right? Some of us do the thing where we just assume everything's going to be bad and awful. That way, we're excited when it's not that, right? Which is still a part of playing the predictability game. So you can say predictability, I I say control. So for me, last year, I had anticipated being in the Netherlands for like two and a half months and then going to Croatia with my father at the end. And after about five weeks in the Netherlands, I had this moment. One of the things I promised to do, and this could be a little woo-woo for some people, but you know me, I'm just going to be completely honest here. So skip it, you know, skip these parts if it's too woo-woo for you, but I wanted to listen more to my intuition, my inner voice, my guides. That was one of my big desires for last summer. Can I lean in? Can I let the universe lead me? Can I follow? Can I trust? And I think most of us have issues in some parts, if not all parts of our life, around trust. Can I trust something bigger than me? Can I trust something higher than me? Can I trust something outside of myself? Or can I trust myself, right? For some people, it's just, can I trust me? Fuck worrying about trusting somebody else. I I can't even trust me. 
And I've really been somebody who's like, oh yeah, I'm the only person I can trust. I can trust me. I'm a gut person. I, I think really quickly. I make decisions quickly. I do quickly. I, I trust myself. It's, it's other that I have a hard time trusting. So I really wanted to lean into listening to going down the streets that I just felt called to go down, uh, meeting the people, talking to the people, doing the things that just felt like called to me. And at one point in the Netherlands, I was, it was beautiful and 75 degrees the entire time I was there. And then I was this day and I was standing in front of this church that was really meaningful and impactful to me. And I was looking up at the church and feeling a lot of healing happening and just sort of sobbing behind my giant sunglasses, which has become what I take to travel now so that when things impact me, I'm not crying in the middle of public. You know I love a good cry and I think everybody should do it, but maybe not in the middle of a piazza, you know? So, um, like I say, piazza. I was never in Italy, but you know, here we go. So, I'm crying behind my sunglasses and clouds roll in. And wind picks up. And I love wind. I am such a fan of wind. Wind always feels like it's bringing information from somewhere else. It's bringing its experiences from somewhere else. I always feel like there's always a whisper on the wind I'm trying to decode. And so the wind picked up and the clouds rolled in and and it was overcast. And that's my favorite. And I just thought, oh God, this is so beautiful. This is my favorite. I love this kind of weather. And I closed my eyes and I took this deep breath in. And I just heard this voice that said, you've got to go to Ireland. There's more healing there for you. It was like that clear. And I like dropped my arms and I opened my eyes and I was like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? It said, you've got to go to Ireland. There's more healing for you there. And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. I don't know what voice that is. I mean, I knew I wasn't having a hallucination, but I was like, no, because we've all had this. I want to point this out. We've all had this like feeling or this moment of like a voice or a feeling that's pulling us or a knowing that it's different for everybody. And we're like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So I was like, no, 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 I have a plan. I have a predictive plan. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this. Da, da, da. The voice didn't say anything. And I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. And I went for a walk and I just said, fuck, for like mm, 45 minutes as I walked. No, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I called my best friend and I was like, told her what happened. She's like, you said you're going to listen to every voice and everything that, you know, came your way that seemed important. And maybe the ones that didn't seem important, like you're going to listen and follow. And I was like, oh my God, okay. So I called Shauna and I was like, uh, can you help me get a flight to, in the next couple of days to Ireland? And I thought I was going to go for like a weekend. I remember like on the plane Googling like what the fuck to do in Dublin, Ireland. I had, when I booked my trip last year, I booked my first two hotels and that was it for three months. I didn't book anything else so I could be sort of agile. And so I was like, all right. Here we go. What do I do in Dublin, Ireland for fun for a weekend? Because I guess I'm going to Ireland. And I thought I was going to be there for probably a weekend, maybe a week. I don't even think I thought that far. I was there for a month. And damn, was that voice right? That is the deepest 
hardest, it's bringing tears to my eyes now, most painful, special, amazing, gratitude, inspiring month of my life. It's also probably what destroyed my nervous system. <laughs> um, because I just went so hard, so fast, so deep into the work that I really wasn't taking care of myself and my nervous system. And I just, I think I sobbed for like four weeks straight. I was crying all the time. I was crying up shit that I was like, this isn't even my shit. This has got to be other people's shit I'm crying up. Is this past life shit? Is this ancestral shit? Is this the shit of the other people who are in the hotel I'm in? Is this the shit of the people I meet? Like, what is going on here? But I was like, I'm just going to allow the experience. And it was great. I look back now and I'm like, okay, at some point I did need to like take some breaks from how intense the work was. And it was just like moment after moment after moment of the universe showing me that it exists. The universe showing me it's bigger than me. It's got my back. And for somebody who has always felt like I'm the only person I can trust and I'm the only person that will take care of me and I have felt based on my 41 years of experience, I had just felt, and this isn't true, this is just I felt very forgotten by the universe. Like, oh, maybe the universe forgot me. Maybe I'm not important, right? I'm an Enneagram 8. So the deep wound of I'm not important, I'm not special, I don't matter, right? So we can have that feeling about our parents but what's bigger than our parents right like you know then there's the is the universe forgotten me do I not matter do I am I not important do I not exist to the universe and so having this moment after moment where the universe was like really showing up and really winking at me was so overwhelming and for those of you who've done your inner work, you've done therapy, you, you've really looked at yourself, that deconstruction of the stories we've told ourselves. We have these foundational stories. And with most stories, they're not completely true, right? There's no truth of what happened between two people or there's not somebody who doesn't have the right answer, right? Two people get in a fight. You have couples therapy, right? There's your truth, her truth, and the truth, right? Neither of you have the full truth. And we do this with these stories we tell ourselves, with these foundational beliefs. I am unworthy of love. I am not attractive. I am not good enough. I am stupid. I am shameful. I don't deserve to exist. I am an embarrassment. I am ugly. I am fat. Like we have, right? There's, <laughs> believe me, there's not a person out there that's gotten away through the life that they've had without having one of those foundational beliefs. And I am right there with you. And so this foundational belief of like, I am forgotten. Man, I really went through that of like, okay, but what if you dismantled that foundational belief, which is scary and hard because like any foundation you've built on top of that, right? I've built a personality. I've built an identity. I've built an entire life and belief system in 41 years of this is how it is. This is how the world works. This is how my reality is and so when you break up that foundational layer and and I bring this up this is not even actually how I thought this would go hence 
you know, uh, this is what you get when I'm on, uh, when I'm in Europe doing these podcasts, they're just going to sort of go with what's coming up for me and may or may not have a ending that wraps it all up for you. But when we do our work, you hear people, if you're not in therapy, you haven't done your shadow work or inner work, you'll hear people talk about this, the foundational beliefs, uh, shaking our foundation, breaking up that foundational belief because who could you be? How could your life go if you didn't believe that foundational bad belief that you have? How would your life be different if you didn't believe you were ugly? How could your life be different if you didn't believe that you were unworthy of love? How could your life be different if you didn't believe you weren't special or you weren't important? Right? You could make a new foundation that would be a happier, a healthier foundation that would build a better building on top, which is your personality, your experiences of life could be built on a more solid, a more positive, a less shame-inducing, a less depression and anxiety-inducing foundation. That's what we look at in coaching. That's what we work on in therapy. And it really shook that apart for me. And because it's me, I dive too hard and too fast into things. And like I said, I destroyed my nervous system. And it was hard and a lot and I did it in fucking Ireland where it was unbelievably beautiful and that was the beauty of it and the ability to be there and I was all so special of the pain mixed with like the beauty I'm hiking through the fucking Irish forest it's like so unbelievably beautiful and I'm just sobbing my eyes out because it's the mixture of the pain, the fear of what I'm going through, the sadness for the years I have wasted on some belief systems that really don't serve me anymore. And the fear of who am I without those defining features, right? Those are our tools. Those are our arsenal for how we interact with the world. If you take those away, if you strip off my armor, who am I and how vulnerable am I? So that was incredibly challenging and what I looked at last year. And then the um, this year, I was not going to go back to Ireland. I was like, fuck you, Ireland. That was intense. I'm good. I got no reason. I'm not going back. And then my best friend called up. Cause I just, I had this feeling like I'm supposed to go back to Ireland. And I am obstinate and I like to be in control. So I was like, uh, middle fingers in the air. Fuck you, Ireland. I'm not going back. Good fucking luck with that. Nope, nope, nope. Then a couple days later, my best friend called and she was like, hey, would you be willing to go to Ireland again? Because I would love to go to Ireland. I'd love to go to Ireland with you. Can we go back? And I was like, fuck you, Ireland. You figured out a way to bring me back. So I was like, yes, I would do that for you. It'd be so fun to, you know, do it with my best friend. Fine. And then I totally remember I turned to the universe and I was like "Mm, just so you know I'm not going to do whatever this like inner work is you want me to do because I'm not my best friend and we're going to she was single at the time so it's like oh we're going to like date and we're gonna like go to the bars and like meet cute boys and we're gonna hike and we're gonna travel and we're gonna do all this great stuff so I'm not gonna have time for whatever it is you want me to go through emotionally so go fuck yourself 
as you can tell, I'm very nice to the universe. <laughs> it's one of the things I'm working on. Um, but I'm also me, so I have to like, you know, the universe gets me. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So then she's like, okay, let's go on this date. I book my flight. And then like two days later, she's like, oh shit, I can't come for 10 days after when I said I could. So like we were going out on the third. She's like, oh, I actually can't come to like the 14th now. And I was like, damn, Ireland. Touche. I'll raise a glass to you. Well played, Ireland. Way to get me to go and then get me to have 10 days there by myself before my best friend shows up. I'm very impressed, universe. Very impressed. Little did I know Ireland had another trick up its sleeve. So I get to Ireland and prediction, right? We are, there's a book I'm listening to on, on uh, audio book right now about being a, how humans are predictive machines. When I get through it, it's a fascinating book. I'm, we'll talk more about that. But this, so we've been thinking a lot about predictability and, and, and there's so much research now on like how we are, our brains are just prediction machines. Part of the book I'm listening to now is that there's more receptors in your eyes that go from your brain telling your eyes what it sees instead of your eyes telling your brain what it sees. And that your brain is really predicting everything in its environment and then your eyes are just there to tell it whether it's right or not. Which is fascinating. I mean, rap really goes into mindset, right? And having a negative mindset or having a positive mindset or why people say that like, if you believe everybody's out to hurt you, then everybody will be out to hurt you because your brain is like making that environment. It's predicting that and it's only on your eyes to like try to change that when possible. So fascinating shit. So I had made a huge prediction based on last summer what Ireland would be like this summer. And I was like, all right, fucking in it. I'm going to be there for 10 days by myself first. I'm going to get through some shit I need to get through. Ireland's going to beat the shit out of me like it did before because that is my experience. And once I experience something one way, I've decided it's that way forever. Does this sound familiar? Raise your hand, unless you're driving your hand, better be fucking raised right now, because you do this too. You predict how things is, is going to be based on what it should be, what you've experienced it to be, what somebody else has experienced it to be, what culture has taught you. It should be, we do this all the time. So I just was like, whew, I was like a fighter before the fight, right? Like I was like a boxer. Like I was doing that like bouncing thing where I like make my neck go back and forth. I'm like, whew, okay, okay, Ireland, you got fucking 10 days to rip me apart and destroy me. And then Lindsay comes and, you know, my best friend will be there to pick up the pieces. And all right, if you got shit, if you want to like rip my soul apart, uh, then let's do this. And of course I say all this and it was, you know, a great experience and I'm so glad I went through it and it did help me in so many ways it just beat me up in order to do it (laughs) yeah I was just thinking of the fighting Irish uh logo from Notre Dame and that was my experience right when people asked me how Ireland was when close people asked me how Ireland was I was like Ireland was like leaned forward was like come here I'm gonna punch you in the face because I love you like that was sort of that experience and I was ready for that And it wasn't that. 
and I didn't know what to do because I had my gloves on and I was ready to fight and there was nothing there to fight. It wasn't that the universe wasn't there. It wasn't that I wasn't supposed to go there. It wasn't that there wasn't meaning there. It was that it wasn't a fight. It was that the healing that was there for me was a calmer, quieter, letting go. And that was so much harder, scarier, and more painful than the year before. And I realized it's because I'm a fighter. I'm naturally a fighter. It is something that I've had to go to therapy for in relationships, dealing with my anger, dealing with, you know, there are wonderful things about my ability to fight. Wonderful things. I am all about fighting the system. I'm all about, you know, shit, I'll be there online and say the thing that needs to be said, even though I'll get thousands of people, you know, telling me they hate me and they're going to kill me and blah, 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 all that bullshit. I don't fucking care. I'm here for that fight. I'm here for a lot of fights. And I was ready for, the, for Ireland to fight me. And as much as the year before was painful, when you're a fighter, you're ready for a fight. And I am somebody, unfortunately, who has always walked around covered in my armor with a backpack full of my weapons. I have hypervigilance. I'm always looking for a fight. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not out there scrapping on the weekends. I'm not going, hanging a cigarette out my mouth and like fighting guys on the weekends. I don't belong to a Brad Pitt fight club. Not like that, but I'm always like ready for attack. Oh, is this thing going to happen? Is that thing going to happen? Am I going to need to do this? Am I going to need to do that? What could go wrong? What if this bad thing happens right now? How will I be ready? How will I be prepared? Right? That's my ego that's always says you have to be ready. You are a fighter. Bad things happen to you. You're the only one that makes good things happen. So everything that's going to come at you is something you have to fight. And that's a hard way to be. It gives me extreme head pain because I grit my teeth at night. And so I live with chronic headaches. Um, My body is always tense. And everybody's like, oh, you need to learn to let go. I'm sorry, but when you've spent your entire life being a fighter and being having hypervigilance and being tense and, and always being looking. And some people, for some people, it is anxiety, right? Anxiety around every corner about what could go wrong. Mine's ready to fight. Some people are like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to just be anxious about it and stressed and scared about it. I'm one of those that's like, I'm ready to attack. And then this time Ireland was like, but what if you... What if there was nothing to fight? Oh my God, this makes me emotional right now to even talk about. And metaphorically, I mean, that's that feels like the, meta, not metaphor, but that feels like the analogy is like, I came with all my weapons and all my tools, like, all right, fucking Ireland, let's do this. And Ireland was like, what if there wasn't anything to do? What if 
you just let go? What if the change was easy? What if the change was peaceful? What if the change was loving? What if you didn't have to jackhammer up a foundation to break it apart? What if it could just dissolve? What if it could be easy? And my brain was like, what? That is not in my vocabulary. It is for my clients. It is for other people. It is, you know, where I help other people get, but not me. That is not my understanding of the world, understanding of reality. Mine is it's hard. It's always got to be hard for me. Right? That's my that's my ego's rhetoric. It's got to be hard. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. And you're, Rochelle, you're going to have to fight for it. Nothing is going to be handed to you. Nothing is going to be easy. No one's ever going to do anything that's going to make your life better. You have to make your life better. And you have to fight and claw to get there. And as awful as that sounds, when that is all you know, that is comforting. Because it's what you know. Because when you walk around as a soldier, you're looking for a war. Because that's where you feel comfortable. That's where you feel safe. I'm like, well, but I have all this armor on. I've got all these weapons in my backpack and they're so heavy and I carry them around and and I'm going to have to use them. And it was harder and scarier to have Ireland not fight me back. And that was such a fascinating experience to have. What if I didn't have to fight? What if it could just happen? What if it could be easy? And that was having to look at some real deep self-identification. Who am I if I'm not a fighter? Who am I if I don't have to work for it? If things could just come to me, if I could just trust and If there is a world out there where I don't need to fight for everything, can I take my armor down? And that's what I'm working on. Can I take my armor down? Can I trust that I have my armor with me if I need it, that I don't have to be wearing it all the time. I don't have to anticipate every single second that something's going to be something I have to fight or deal with or muster through. I give myself accolades only when I've achieved something hard. Who else is with me on that? A lot of us, right? A lot of us only give ourselves kudos and attaboys and pat ourselves in the back and are only proud of us when we have accomplished something that was hard. Not all of us. That's not everybody. But that's a lot of us. Or perhaps it's somebody you know. I have a feeling it's a lot of people you know. So that is that foundational thing that I'm looking at breaking apart and it was just such an interesting experience because it wasn't what I thought of what if I went 
back to Ireland and it was a different experience. And it was the opposite experience. What if the universe loved me in a different way, helped me in a different way with ease instead of with the battle I understood? And it makes sense. Like the first year, of course, would be like this battle, right? Because that's what I understand and that's what I can do. And I, you know, I can muscle my way through it. But the just sitting, the being, the accepting, the allowing, the letting go, that is something that I continuously work on. And I haven't got it all figured out yet. It's, it's not all there for me. One of the hard things about being a life coach that I said, I'm sure therapists have this same difficulty with, or a wellness coach, or a doctor, or a nurse, or somewhere where you are helping somebody through something. What they don't prepare you for is how weird it is to help somebody through something you can't do for yourself. This happens to me all the time where, and as coaches and my friends who are therapists, we talk about this all the time, like how often we're helping our clients through something and we give them advice that there's that part of our brain that's like, and bitch, you need to hear this too. Or isn't this interesting that you can help them and you can have love and compassion for the thing that they're going through when you can't have it for yourself when you're going through it? Isn't it interesting that you can help your clients relax, let go, open up, accept the things the way they are? I have helped so many clients through this exact thing right? I've watched them progress from being a fighter, from hypervigilance, from this foundational belief of how the world is and how they have to be in it to trusting and opening up and letting go. And I cannot do it for myself. Ah! Right? That's one of the joys of being a life coach. So I'm not saying I have it figured out. And this episode is not about And then the answer is, and then the tool is, and then this is how you fix it. This is just the episode on what I'm going through when I'm doing my deep work, when I'm doing my shadow work, when I'm looking at my own deeper, deeper monsters under my bed, which aren't monsters at all. They're just aspects of me that I don't want to look at. So I make them monsters, as do we all. But I share it because it may help in some way for somebody else out there who's like, oof, I'm there. I'm struggling with that. I've struggled with that before. Or, oof, that's on my horizon. I'm not even there yet, but I know that's on my horizon. And I think that there is so much value in knowing that we're not alone we go through this because I do know lots of people are like oh I just trust some people who grew up with religion I had met a man in Ireland actually who uh, gave me a tour uh, around just he owned a tour company and I met him when I was at lunch by myself and we started chatting he's like I own a tour company in here and blah blah and I was like well I haven't been able to see it was in Galway Ireland I was like well I haven't been able to see much of the sites because I don't have a car so like I'm just doing what I can in Galway and he was like oh my god I own a tour company like I'll take when I get off work I'll take you out and this was not a romantic thing he was in his like late 60s and he's like I'll drive you around I have to go on a I have to go 
to the small village and drop something off and I'll take you and I'll show you around. And it was spectacular and wonderful. And he was so lovely. And, and that's a good story. And I'm so glad I told you. I don't know. Oh, it's <laughs> like, this is what happens. When you don't write shit down. You just go. Oh my God, that was just a great story. But I asked him, I said, do you, are you good at trusting the universe? Like, you know me, I just jump in when I know. I'm like, let's just jump into like the real stuff and stop talking about like our favorite colors. And he was like, yeah, I am very good at trusting. And I was like, this is what I'm working on. Like, I'm not, because he was like, what the hell does a life coach have to like come to Europe and and work on? And I was like, a lot of things. Let me tell you a lot of things. And so we were talking about that. And I asked him because he said, oh, I trust all the time. I'm very good at trust. And I was like, wow awesome why where do you get that from and he said growing up religious and he's like I'm not even necessarily religious anymore but growing up with that religion of trust in God trust that he'll take care of you that he'll fix things that he'll save you that you're going to be okay that you know it's in God's hands that sort of thing and I am not religious in that way. And if you are religious in that way, uh, then maybe you do have a leg up. And I'd love to hear about that. Um, I'd love DM me, write me, or, you know, stop me in the grocery store and let me know because I am so curious if that is your experience of religion helping you with that. And from a psychological perspective, of a neuroscience perspective, that makes sense. He wasn't religious anymore, but that that neuroplasticity though those neuropathways I should say to trust are built there because of religion to trust outside of yourself to trust that things will be okay and to trust that you can deal with them when they're not it's not like oh and then you just blindly like oh I'm just gonna trust and I'm gonna walk down a dark alley in New York City you know in a miniskirt at two in the morning I wish we could have that kind of trust right it's it's not that blind trust like that. I mean, I love the uh, saying that says, trust in Allah, but tie up your camel, right? You got to do a little bit of work here too. And it's trusting that if something does go wrong, you will be able to handle it in the moment and you don't have to be like hyper prepared for everything to go wrong. Trust that you can relax and you're safe and comfortable and then you can deal with it when something goes wrong, right? That's what I, that's what I mean. Not that your car is on fire and you're like, well, I trust Jesus is going to put it out. Like, it's not what we're, we tie up your fucking camel, you know, you got to, you got to help out here. So I just thought how interesting that he is just wired now for trusting more because of his religious background. So I don't know if it's that way for everybody. Like I said, it wasn't raised with that sort of thing. So I'm, you know, learning it now and in a different way. So I hope that this was helpful in some way and it just maybe it's just a voyeuristic thing of hey want to see what what is it a life coach works on when she goes away for three months and is really completely alone perhaps but I'm hoping that there's also some deeper learning in there if anything in this feels like you in any way and what you're going through or like I said what you have gone through or what may be on the horizon, you may not be ready to do this foundational work of yours yet. That is fine. You don't have to be ready. You're ready for what you're ready for when you're ready for it. There's no rush. 
but perhaps this is on your horizon. And I've had that experience where I've seen somebody else go through something and I'm like, I got a feeling that at some point I'm going to be heading in that direction and it's good to see how they're handling it now. So that is what I am hoping with this episode you get to have a little voyeuristic view on. And like I said, sometimes it's just nice to see what are the, what's the work that other people are doing, right? Maybe you're on completely different work. You're doing something else that's not even close to this. It's just nice sometimes to see what does the work look like for somebody else. And if you are so far from doing any work, you're new to this, you're new to life coaching, you're new to self-discovery and all this fun jazz, hey, this is what the work looks like for somebody. And it doesn't look like this for everybody because everybody's work is very different. But this is what my work looks like. Thank you guys for joining me today. Let me know if you like this, if you want me to continue to do some of this sort of stuff of what I go through and the the learning and work I do. Definitely write me at hello at rochelleindra.com. I always love to hear from you or DM me on Instagram. TikTok, unless we're friends, doesn't let you DM me, but you can always DM me, direct message me on Instagram. And yeah, just let me know. And if you like the show today, if this was impactful for you, this was helpful, definitely go and leave a review wherever it is that you get this podcast. That helps me so much. It helps other people find my podcast. And if you hated this podcast and this was stupid and somebody made you listen to this and you hated everything about it, maybe don't leave a review. Maybe uh, maybe just skip that. You've got more important things to do. <laughs> Bye, guys. It is September. September, yay. <sighs> Ooh, the crowd goes wild for September. Kids are back in school. Our festivities and the fun of summer is over. Why are we excited about this? Because then we can get back into our groove, back into thinking about us and our life and what we want out of our career, out of our relationships, out of our deep soul searching. And that is why I open my books back up in September to take take one-on-one clients. And as you know, I first opened it back up to clients that I've had before and then the sisterhood group coaching. But after that, I opened my doors to everyone who thinks that now is finally the time that they are ready to do their work. September is not the New Year's. You still have time to do the work that you said you were going to do, that you promised yourself. 2023 was the time I was going to do this for myself. There is still time. So come write me at hello at rochellendra.com and let's get started on the journey together.